Sweet. Well, like I said, today we're going to um, continue. Last week we started talking about the way of Jesus and the spiritual disciplines. And we talked about the, the practice of the presence of God. I think most of you are here for that. If you weren't, uh, it's up on our podcast, so you can go listen to that. And today, like I said, we're going to talk about the Sabbath. We're going to talk about specifically the Sabbath. We're not going to talk about rest as a whole. We're going to specifically talk about the spiritual discipline of the practice of the Sabbath. Um, and just as we just as we start, I was kind of thinking about this. So before I have had the car that I drive now, I had a 1999 beat up Toyota Tacoma, and I loved that car. It was stick shift. It was my favorite. Had that car since I was 16 till I was maybe 22, 23. Um, very sad day when I ultimately sold it, and I loved that car even when I got it it was old. It had 280,000 miles on it when I got that car. When I ultimately sold it, it was at 350. Um, Still got good money for it. And that's the beauty of Tacomas. But I loved that car. And one specific trip that we made with that car, like I said, I drove it everywhere, all over the place, golf practice, road trips, dates with Cassidy, everywhere, all over SoCal. But when I moved uh, to go to college, I drove that truck with my dad 1,003 miles, pretty much dead straight, woke up at 3.30 in the morning, took my, took my truck, packed it up with everything, straight shot drove to Oregon, Salem, Oregon. It's 1,000 miles. And I remember specifically, we were like pulling into the college campus and we had just done this crazy road trip with a truck that had no business <laughs> driving for that long. And we get to the campus and I just sensed that my car was tired, okay? The, the, the motor was still running. There's still gas in the tank. The wheels were still spinning. It could have kept going, but we were like right on the cusp of the car probably breaking down or blowing a tire or the motor going out or something. Like we were about there. Like the car could have kept going, but it probably wouldn't have been the wisest thing to keep it going. And... Um, As human beings, we find ourselves in that space quite often. I could keep going. There's still gas in the tank, um, but should I keep going? Am I about to break down? That's the question. But uh, more on that in a moment. The Bible has uh, a lot to say about the practice of the Sabbath. And for a moment, I'm going to explain where the idea of the Sabbath came from or this practice of the Sabbath, uh, where it came from just to give us a framework. Uh, So in ancient Israel... uh, God commanded his people to practice the Sabbath, which was one 24-hour period. And it was uh, from the evening of Friday night, the after, like Friday night to Saturday afternoon, Friday or Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, uh, where no work was done. And it was instead they were to rest from their work and they were to rest in God and delight in God. And it was a commandment. It says in uh, Exodus 20, verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now we read that and we're like, wow, that's awesome. That's so kind of God to give them a day off once a week. We're we're like, wow, how very special that God would bless them, say, hey, I want you to rest from your work. We're like, 
wow, that's very kind of God to offer them that. Well, yes, it is, but God took the Sabbath incredibly seriously with the Israelites and the punishment uh, by not practicing the Sabbath. They didn't just get reprimanded. Hey, you should do a little bit better. God told us to do this. No, it was punishable by death if they didn't practice the Sabbath. Exodus 31, 15. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. Okay. I don't know about you, but I am not personally an Israelite living in the ancient Near East, okay? I am not currently under the Old Covenant. I am I'm not a, a Jew in ancient Israel, okay? That, uh, that's not my life, right? That's not my context. Um, so as Jesus followers, New Testament, Gentile, Jesus followers, how should we approach the Sabbath? Should we practice it? What happens if we don't? Um, it's worth mentioning that there is no, and I mean... No, there is no direct New Testament instruction to follow the Sabbath. Like there is no order, command, direct command to follow the Sabbath uh, in the New Testament. These are Paul's words to the Church of Colossae uh, regarding the Sabbath and other religious days of observance. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And that idea is expounded on in what we just read in Hebrews 4, that ultimately God himself, that that coming into his rest is found in Christ fully. So Paul is saying we have the freedom to choose, but not the freedom to judge. We have the freedom to choose to participate in the Sabbath, to operate in that, practice in that, gifting to us, practice in that discipline. We have the freedom to choose to do that, but we don't have the freedom to judge people who do or don't. Okay. If you don't take a Sabbath, if you don't have a Sabbath day during the week, that is your prerogative, and you have just as much place in the family of God as, uh, as anybody who is a Sabbath observer, okay? And if you do, great. Enjoy it. That's amazing. If you do practice the Sabbath, awesome. If you don't, you are still part of the family of God. We are saved by faith, by grace, lest no man should boast, okay? Not of works, lest no man should boast. And Sabbath is funny because people take it to extremes, the discipline and the practice of the Sabbath, people take it to ex- extremes. Uh, some Christians don't think it should be practiced at all. Okay, I've heard people, I've literally heard people say, you haven't done enough work throughout the week to deserve a Sabbath. I don't like that. Um, I've heard, I've, I've, I've been told that, okay? Uh, other people say, well, that was the law, that was Old Testament, now we're under grace, so the Sabbath and Christianity have nothing to do with each other. Absolutely not. So that's one extreme. That's one side of the the conversation. Then there's another side of Christians also that I've heard. um, And honestly, I've been guilty of this as well. uh, They make it an idol and they make it legalistic. They say things like, well, we practice uh, the other nine of the 10 commandments. Why wouldn't we practice the Sabbath? They say, well, obviously we don't murder and we don't steal and we try to honor our father and mother. So why wouldn't we treat the Sabbath just like we treat the rest of the nine commandments? My question to that would be, do we actually take the other nine commandments very seriously and live by them? Um, Other people say, how... (laughs) This is a funny one. People are like, how dare you contact me on my Sabbath day? Don't you know that this is my holy day? Like people take it so seriously 
And it's just like, don't even look in my direction on my Sabbath day. Okay, like they take it very seriously. So how do we have a healthy and robust view of the Sabbath? What should we, how should we view it? Well, we should view it with the perspective that Jesus himself gives. Okay, this is Mark chapter 2, 23 through 27. One Sabbath day, so on the Sabbath, this is happening. Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked, as his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of the grain. The Pharisee, said to, the Pharisee said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Just to give a little bit of context, they were taking the, the um, heads off the grain. Basically, they were snacking on the food, but the Pharisees would have considered that work because it was technically harvesting the grain. Hmm. Why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus continues. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Okay, this is our main idea for today. What was a lawful expectation for the people of Israel is now a loving invitation for us Christians. I'm going to say that again. What was a lawful expectation for the people of Israel is now a loving invitation for us as Christians. It's an invitation that you can decline. You can refuse. I would encourage you not to, but you can do that. You reserve that freedom as a Jesus follower. We live in a hustle culture, work until you can't work anymore, make that money. The most important part of your existence is work. That's the narrative that most people, specifically in the East Bay, in the melting pot that we live in, is like your job is your life, make as much money, have as much of a reputation as you can, just just excel in every work environment and just be the best and never stop working. The expectation is that you're available 24-7, you know, you might be a nine to five worker, but your boss is reaching out to you at midnight or one in the morning. And because that's just the expectation that we have specifically in California, specifically, specifically in the East Bay. That's, that's the, the culture that we're in. And as Jesus followers, we ought to cut directly against practically every part of secular culture. In a culture of excess, we practice frugality and place limits on ourselves. In a culture of what they would call sexual liberty, we embrace God's heart and design for sex. In a culture of coarse jokes and perverse speech, we use our words to uplift and to build up. And in a culture of hustle and bustle, we reflect the easy yoke of Christ by practicing rest and the Sabbath. So the practice of Sabbath is taking one day a week to express trust in God that he provides for all my needs. The Sabbath in essence is one day a week expressing trust in God that he ultimately provides for my needs. In a very similar way, it's kind of like tithing. It's the tithing. What is tithing? Tithing is the belief that God can do more with 90% than I can do with a hundred percent. That's what tithing is. It's saying, God, I believe that, that you can do more with when I give 10% and live on 90, you could do more than that than if I were to just live on 100. That's what tithing is. And what Sabbath is, is saying, I am proclaiming and expressing my trust in God by dedicating one week to him, yes, and we're gonna talk more about 
the specifics of, of, a, of a practical Sabbath day, but it's taking one day of the week or a portion of time throughout the week and saying, I'm not going to work. And instead, I'm going to trust God that he's ultimately my provider. And in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, if you haven't read that book, please read that book. I have like 15 copies. So if you want a copy of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, come talk to me. But Pete Scazzaro breaks down an effective Sabbath day in four parts. And the first is stopping. And he says this, quote, On Sabbath, I embrace my limits. God is God. He is indispensable. I am his creature, and the world continues working fine when I stop. The world is going to continue. My, job, my, my workplace is going to continue. Everything's going to continue. Even if I stop for 24 hours or even if you only have 18 hours, whatever the case is, I'm stopping and the world is going to keep going. I embrace my limits. Stopping, that's our first part of a practical Sabbath. If you choose to embrace this discipline and this practice in your life, which I believe I mean, for the last 2,000 years of church history, this has been done. This has been practiced. And it's, I believe that it is crucial and it is important for us. It's not, again, it's not law, but it's invitation. What is the first part? It's stopping. It is stopping my work. It is saying, for X amount of time, I will not be working because I am instead trusting that God is my provider. We should trust that God's provider seven days a week, 24 seven, obviously, but it's an intentional time to prove that trust, to say, man, my life is chaotic right now. There is so much going on, so much going on in my life, which makes it all the more important that I practice the Sabbath. Second part of an effective Sabbath is resting. This entails identifying what fills me up. How do I rest? Discover it and do it with God. We often just think of rest as sitting at home on the couch for six or seven hours watching Netflix. Yeah. And I'm not going to knock that. I mean, if, if that's like truly what your spirit needs, okay, sure, do your thing. I would question it. But like, if that's like, no, I, I feel most at peace with God. I'm like, I, you know, can't argue with that. But you got to find what actually fills you up, okay? What actually gives you rest, like gives not just rest to your body, but rest to your spirit, Rest to your soul. All of them, like the cohesive, holistic rest to my body, my spirit, my soul, my heart, my emotions, my mentality, everything. What are the activities or lack thereof that make me, that bring me back into not just rest, but God's rest. So for the season that I am in right now, just as as an example, Mondays are me and Cassidy's Sabbath day. Church finishes up on Sunday. You know, I'm still available throughout the, the afternoon. Sometimes I have certain meetings or I've got church stuff going on. Usually not, but sometimes I'm still available. I'm on call, so to speak. But Monday morning starts. Usually it's slow morning, stay in our pajamas, make coffee. And lately it's just been watching a Disney movie with Elijah on Monday mornings, hanging out. And then his nap time comes on Monday. And so me and Cassidy hang out. She'll take a nap and I'll actually sit down and read and just slow my life. And every other Monday, every other week, we trade off with another couple babysitting. So every other Monday, me and Cassidy get to go out on a date on Monday nights. And that's like a perfect Sabbath day for me. It's 
rest with my son, rest with my wife, rest just with me and the Lord. And it's just delight because I can't necessarily afford time or finances to golf every week now or go on some trip. But what I can do is I can sit at home and rest with my family, delight in God. And that leads us to the third aspect of an effective Sabbath is delighting. What puts a smile on your face? What activity makes you happy? Gives you enjoyment, gives you fulfillment. Is there something that you like doing, whether it's as simple as sitting down and knitting or going on a hike or, or going to the gym, whatever it is, pack your Sabbath, not just with Netflix and naps, okay? Though that, there's a place for that, but pack your Sabbath time with things that are enjoying to you and don't just do them, do them with God. Do them with God. Uh, there was a season that every Monday I would go to the movies with my friend Kyle. We'd go every single Monday morning and him and I would meet in Pleasanton, same theater, and we would just choose a movie. Most of the time they were not good movies. <laughs> like they weren't, but like we weren't going because we wanted to see, a movie, that, see that movie. It was just, I enjoy going to the movies and he enjoys going to the movies. So for quite a while on my Sabbath, it was like 10, 10.30 every Monday morning. I'd meet him at the theater and we'd go see a movie. It was super restful to me. Like one time we saw Lion King in the theaters. It's like, dude, we're adults. What are we doing watching Lion King on a Monday morning at 1030? Okay, like, but it was the, the practice of it that this is restful for me. This is fun. I like going to the theaters and I'm allowing myself margin to enjoy my life, <laughs> to enjoy my life with God. Because we take ourselves hecka seriously <laughs> a lot of times. And I think the Lord... Every once in a while, just wants us to slow down and enjoy breathing, enjoy existing, enjoy the fact that he blessed me with this life. So what brings you delight? Pack your Sabbath with that time. And finally, it's contemplating, having a a day, a contemplative day where I'm dwelling and meditating on the love and the goodness of God. Set aside a larger than normal period of time to get away with this loving God of ours and remind your soul of his grace and mercy towards you. I remember one time I was talking with a couple pastors. They used to be on staff that um, they've since moved. I was talking to Christina was her name. And this was the first time that I like, this was four or five, six years ago. And I had never really thought about the Sabbath, thought it was necessary or needed or anything. And I remember telling Christina, this pastor, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to like really start Sabbathing. Like I'm going to, you know, really spend a ton of time with the Lord. Like, you know, just like hide in my room and just spend three hours with God. She's like, that's awesome. But you're kind of missing the point of the Sabbath. (laughs) The Sabbath isn't to work harder in your faith necessarily, the Sabbath is to rest with God. So whether I'm at the movies or I'm in my room with my Bible and worship music on, or I'm hanging out with my family, it's delighting, my, delighting in my life and delighting with him. So just as we close, you know, this is around the time when we're talking about the Sabbath and you might start thinking like, well, I, I work too much. Like I have two jobs. I've got all this stuff going on. I literally cannot take a Sabbath. Like it just cannot happen actually. Or it's just, I'm too busy or I can't get away for that long. And my first response would be, aren't those actually reasons 
to Sabbath, right? Like maybe, maybe you desperately need to slow down. Kind of like my old beat up truck, like you're not breaking down right now, but you might be close to it. But don't think that a Sabbath day has to be rigid. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it was Cazero in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He talks about his, his every week practice of the Sabbath. It's not from Monday morning to Tuesday morning, as far as I remember, might be another author. But I remember him saying it was Sunday afternoon to Monday afternoon. Like get creative with it. And remember that this is an invitation to rest in God and remind your soul and body that he is in control. So start thinking, like, what could this look like as a practice in your life? Remembering that it's, this is not a lawful expectation. It's a loving invitation. But this is a spiritual discipline. Like, it's hard to rest, actually. It's hard to shut things down. It's hard to chill out, which means we desperately need to get used to doing that. Like, if there's, some, if there's something that is tough for us to do, usually... That's a signal that we should probably make it a discipline to be better at it, right? Like, dude, I do not want to get up for the gym right now. Me not wanting to get up for the gym is not a signal that I shouldn't go to the gym. It's a signal that I should. (laughs) And for us having a hard time slowing down, resting, in this case, taking a Sabbath, the the thing or the, the, that being a difficult thing to do is actually a signal in God saying, hey, maybe you should implement this practice it's the way of Jesus. It's, it, uh, Jesus practiced the Sabbath, but it, even him, he himself, he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man as a tool, as an invitation, something that brings us closer to God, that we delight in him and we rest in him. Um, so our weekly practice this week is, is going to be the Sabbath, or at the very least, thinking of when you could implement a Sabbath, even if it's 12 hours, even if it's 18 hours, not necessarily a 24-hour period. I'll be the first one to say, Monday afternoon, had a good day, I'm chill. If I'm getting an email or I happen to check my email, I'm not like, oh, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's an invitation to rest in and with God. So mark out a day in the coming week or two that you are going to set aside as a Sabbath and consider making that a weekly discipline. Like I said, for me, it's Mondays, but for you, it might be Friday to Saturday, Friday afternoon into Saturday, mid-morning, or whatever it is. But pray and ask God, Lord, I want to practice this, put this into practice. The Bible talks about it. I see the value in it. So help me in this. Help me in this spiritual discipline because I want to grow in the way of Jesus. So um, we're going to get into small groups, but why don't we go ahead and close in prayer. And small groups, just this is creative time to think, what could this look like? And honestly, let's talk about rest too, just rest in general. Why is it so hard for us to shut our brains down, to shut our, our souls down, to like quiet our souls and what we can do to mitigate that and actually delight and rest in God. So Father, thank you for these young adults. And Lord, we just ask today um, that you would help us enter into this practice, Lord. And God, we thank you that we are not put to death if we don't practice this. But Lord, this is a loving invitation from you to us to delight in you. Just like tithing, just like prayer, just like fasting. Lord, this is a discipline and a practice. And it is designed to form us into the way of Jesus. To form us into Christ-likeness. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.